0: Our Bible is a wonderful account of God encountering men and women, and those men and women, as it were, running into God, thereby God transferring His heart and His burden and His calling and His vision and His truth. It's as though God sears it into these men and women, and they become recipients from this encounter of God's burden, and so they live it out and they propagate it and they have influence and live effective lives for the purposes of God because of that encounter. The Bible also have many stories of certain men who by the sweat of their brow or by the strength of their own flesh and the ingenuity of their own mind, try to be influential for God or a leader for God or affect change for God but they never had that encounter with God. And so, in a way, they only propagated their flesh, their own opinion, their own ideologies, their own culture, if you will. Beloved, if you want to be a spiritual man and woman, and you really want to walk in lockstep with the Kingdom of God and the principles of life in the Spirit, then it necessitates that you have an encounter with God. And ongoing encounters with God. It is not enough really to just be born of the Spirit of God. That definitely is a first encounter. But you'll see that as you grow with God, kind of like Adam or an Abraham or a Jacob or even a Joseph or a Moses, and the Bible goes on and on with the stories of these men. They had initial encounters with God, but then they have ongoing encounters with God. If you want to grow in the spiritual life, then I believe God will facilitate more encounters with you where he wants you to draw near to him. That is almost run into him where God wants to embrace you and hug you and in a way squeeze the very core of his being into you. If you and I just go through the motions and we stay sort of in a rat race of busyness or we even have an industrial spirituality where we do and we don't do and we check and we come and we go, but we never make space and room and a place and we never position ourselves just to encounter God then our effectiveness, our leadership, our influence, the change that we so desperately want is just not going to reflect heaven. It's not going to reflect God, Christ, or the Spirit. It's probably only going to reflect your flesh. I want to fellowship with you in this message regarding the first man in the biblical narrative that had an encounter with God he had a tremendous need and probably like you and I were tempted very much tempted to fulfill this need by his own imagination or perhaps the strength of his own flesh but you'll see that God put him to sleep and from a place of rest an encounter of sleep almost an encounter of death if you will God brought forth this man's answer. Let's see if together we can explore this and learn that this encounter of sleep, this encounter of rest, is paramount to our influence, our fullness, our effectiveness in this world. I want to start off with this man, the very first man in the Bible, Adam. This man actually experienced a God encounter in Genesis chapter 2. And I want to briefly take you through that God encounter and see if you and I can learn something from Adam and position ourselves to have a similar encounter as perhaps he had with God. But first, here is uh, Adam, and he had a need. You're going to see in the text that we're about to read, his need was help. Somebody help me! In other words, I can't do it. I'm incomplete! And God would encounter this man, and in that encounter would bring about a helper for this man. God's answer is, is to give him a helper. It's a very simple story. It's uh, right there in the beginning of Genesis. But I want to highlight this for you. What did God do in the encounter with this man to answer his need? In the account we're about to read, you're going to see that God put him to sleep. In other words, quietness, stillness, or the word that I want to use, is rest. His encounter with God was one of rest." So turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 in your Bible. Let's read it real quickly. And notice, Adam has a need, God has an answer, but there's first an encounter. So you know that uh, in Genesis chapter 1, there's a description of God creating the man and the woman. A lot of folk wonder if Genesis 2 is, a, is another creation, if, is it a different account, it's a discrepancy, it's a contradiction. Listen carefully. In Genesis 1, there is the narrative of God making the man and the woman. But in Genesis 2, there is a deeper telling of the process. It's not a contradictory story, it's not another man and another woman. There are a lot of scholars that have massive uh, uh, disagreement with these chapters. Listen, chapter 1 just states God made the man and the woman. God gave him a commission. But Genesis 2 takes the narrative a little bit deeper and tells us the process that Adam went through for the woman to be manifested. So come with me to verse 18 of chapter 2. It says that the Lord God, He said, It is not good for the man to be alone. And all the brothers said? (laughs) Notice who says this. God says, It is not good for this man to be alone. And notice carefully. God then says, I will make a helper for him as his counterpart. See, God is the one who sees the need, and God initiates, and God is going to answer this man. But I want you to notice verses 19 very carefully. It says, uh, The Lord God formed from the ground every animal of the field and every bird of the, the heaven and brought them to the man to see what He would call them. And whatever the man called this animal, that was its name. And the man gave names to all of the cattle and to the birds of heaven and to every animal of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper, there was not a counterpart. Everybody else had a buddy. Everybody else had a mate. But this man is alone. So come now to verse 21. So we have an actual situation here where this man is to be used of God, but he's not strong enough. He has a need. So God initiates then, um, in verse 21, the answer to this need. But here's the encounter. It says that God caused a deep sleep to fall upon this man. And as he slept, as he rested, as he was quiet, God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And the Lord God, notice, God built from that rib, which He had taken from the man, a woman. And then, notice carefully, God brought the woman to the man. This man then looks at this woman and he says, wow. This now is bone of my bones. This woman is flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, because out of the man she was taken. Beloved, here you have a spiritual principle at the upstart of the entire biblical narrative that you and I would do well to pay special attention to. Here is a man that has a mission in front of him. There is a mandate on his life to rule and to reign and to multiply and to fill and to subdue. But as a singular entity, he is not enough. So he has a need. God looks upon this need. But instead of the man um, initiating... The man imagining what God should do, instead of the man (laughs) dictating to God, you should do A, B, and C. Instead of rolling up his sleeves, God says to this man, you take a chill pill. I've got this. And God puts this man to rest. God puts this man to sleep. And from that position, from that place of rest, God then brings the answer. God brings the, the buddy, the counterpart, the, the, the helper, so that this man can actually live out his calling and his destiny. Now the context here is a husband and wife and the man and the woman, but the spiritual principle is this. God wants to do something for you, and the encounter that He wants to arrange in your life is to stop you from working and stop you from initiating and stop you from concocting what you think He should do. It is the the Father's desire to put you to sleep, to put you to rest so that He can work on your behalf. This is one of the greatest encounters you can have with God, is to be still and just let God do what God does best. you know this from Exodus, when Moses and the Israelites stood in front of the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. Um, They had an Egyptian army behind them. They had mountains on their left and the right, and they had this enormous impasse in front of them. And here's the word of the Lord to uh, Moses, I will fight for you and you should be still. In other words, there is a time to work. There's a Time to cooperate. There's a time to do something. But occasionally, God just wants you to rest, to sleep, so that He can be strong on my behalf. Amen! But if you don't position yourself to sleep, God cannot bring about the answer you need. Sometimes we get in the way. You know this verse very well. Psalm 46, verse 10 Be still and know that I am. Notice here, be still. And if you ought to know God, these two go together. In other words, if you're busy, you may not know God as He desires for you to know Him. And beloved, that's why I'm so thrilled to have you with us here at this restful retreat. While you're here, Resting, God can be working on your behalf. And in the rest, you get to know God in ways that you will never know Him when you're just busy. Let me tell a quick story. There is a guest house slash residence up in this middle pasture over here. For years, um, I was stressing and fretting about building all of the structures here and um, I wasn't sure how the Lord was going to provide, but quite miraculously, um, the Lord provided for every structure on this building. And when it came to that guest house and residence here in the Middle Pasture, I wanted to take the pressure on myself to see, can I raise the money? How can we pay for this? And the Lord had me do something. He sent me to California for um, the longest time, where I was out of touch, and while I was in California, uh, resting, all the monies just came in quite spontaneously. In fact, to be actually honest, I didn't do a thing for this house. I didn't do a thing for that house and not one structure on this property. Sometimes God's just going to sort of unplug you and remove you and force you to sit still so that you can know an aspect of God that you will never know when you're just much ado about nothing. Are you with me? This is the Lord's Word in Matthew 11. You know this very well. Come to me, all of you who labor and are trying to make this happen. All of you who have a finger in the pie. All of you that break a sweat and are excessively anxious and vexed and troubled. And it's kind of up to you to make this guest house a reality. It's it's up to you to mend this relationship. It's up to you to sort out your parents and your brother. It's it's all up to you, is it? This is what happens to us. When it's up to me, I get fatigued and I, I get tired. And the Lord says, come to me. And notice, I want to give you rest. I want to have an encounter with you. Where you literally just rest and I will take care of the rest. There's a story of a missionary in Africa who apparently was in a particular village at one time and he was sleeping and in the middle of the night as the story goes, he had some uh, foul demon spirit, if you will, show up in his bedroom to intimidate him, to harass him, to torment him and to vex him. And this particular missionary would not let a devil interrupt his sleep. Apparently, he woke up and he looked at this manifestation of this foul monstrosity of a thing in his room. And knowing me, I would immediately start fighting and shun die in Jesus' name. That's just what we do. But apparently, this missionary got up, looked at this monstrosity and said, oh, It's you. And he turned around and went back to sleep. And he would not let a devil interrupt his sleep. Why? Because when I am still and when I rest, I really give God a chance to work. Listen carefully. There is a role for Adam to play in this earth and it's to work, subdue, fill, multiply. And it's the same for you as ladies. God wants you to work. He wants you to study. He wants you to be responsible. But in the spiritual life, there is not a whole lot you can do. But in a response. If you and I in the spiritual life take matters into our own hands, my holiness is up to me and my sanctification is up to me, and healing is up to me, and wholeness is up to me, and understanding is up to me, then, beloved, you and I are going to burn out. In the spiritual life, lesson number one, it's the very first lesson in the Bible. You have to learn to rest because, listen, rest is a sign of trust. If you cannot rest before the Lord and say, Lord, you've got this, If you cannot do that, you're really, you're not trusting the Lord. Rest is not a sign of checking out, of being sloppy, of being lazy, of being disengaged. Spiritual rest is perhaps the best sign of trust. Again, in the natural, we work hard. In the natural, we show up. We show up on time. We go the extra mile. But in the spiritual life, lesson number one, It's not up to you. It's up to God. And you need to learn to rest because rest is indicative of trust. Amen. You and I have some common desires. We have a desire for influence, desire for change, desire for companionship. I just want to talk on these three things real briefly. It is a-okay, beloved, for you and I to have a desire to be influential. If there's a leader in you, if there's somebody in you that wants to make a difference in this world, I tell you, you are living out the heart's desire of God. You're in the image of God. God meant for Adam to fill this earth, God meant for Adam to subdue this earth, to multiply into this earth. If you have a desire to pack a punch in this world, if you have a desire to leave your mark in this world, if you have a desire to, to bring about change in this world, I want to tell you that is a God desire. That's just even proof that you're created in the image of God. And even more, If there's a desire within you for a buddy, a a life buddy, a spouse, even just a a friend or a community, that desire to to, to have a helper, a, a life mate, a spouse, or even just a community to live in, friendship as we would say, that desire for companionship is actually of God because here in Genesis, God said it's not good for the man to be alone. There's an ache in all of us to to love and to, to be loved and to have a buddy. But these three things get us in trouble. If God does not take care of the influence, then I get into works and manipulation. If God does not take care of change in my life, then I you know, have to take care of it. And then I change only so much and I avoid these areas and I, I kind of just focus on these areas. If, if God is the one who can take care of these things, then the work of God will be thorough in me. When I have to change my life, who's going to really change? If, if it's up to me to influence this world, you're, you're going to make a mess of it. And if it's up to me to, to, to find a life buddy and a an spouse, and chances are you're going to mess things up. I want to tell you quickly Adam and Eve's story, my story, and Hugo Hendrix's story. Adam needed a life buddy. God looked upon Adam and said, This is not good. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, we got to do something here. So God puts him to sleep, and from him, brings his buddy. And that buddy was such a fit. It was bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, kind of his kind. And he said, whoa, man, this is awesome. It was a perfect fit. Now, if Adam had crafted this woman, he would have created some dinosaur, or who knows what he would have come up with. But when God got to work, and Adam was at rest then God brought this woman to the man and it was a perfect beautiful fit that happened for Adam can it happen for us i did not want a wife i was not seeking a wife i was working actually in a garden in arkansas adam was working in a garden and God looked at him and said, this is not a good situation. God looked at me in Arkansas and said, this is bad. This man needs a friend. This man needs a life mate. And I was still in Arkansas. In fact, uh, you know, I lived in a monastery for an entire year. And I had to be quiet for an entire year. Genuinely, I was put to sleep by God. I was cut off from just the the hustle and bustle of life and I I lived on my knees in a garden for an entire year just minding the Lord 11 months in I lifted up my eyes and I said whoa man and God brought my wife to me as I was in a place of rest I didn't have to go look for a spouse I didn't have to dress a certain way I didn't have to do anything just God brought this woman to me and she, she looked at me, she loved me instantly, I loved her and hey, it's been 21 years. Hugo is another story. Since Hugo moved to America in 2017, I've been trying to get him to uh, subscribe to eHarmony. It's like Hugo... We've got to put your best foot forward, take your best angle picture, dress up a certain way. You know, best characteristics, we've got to find this man a wife. Yet God did it for Adam, God did it for me. Now I superimpose uh, eHarmony on this man. And he's my witness how often I would hound him. You go, eHarmony, come on man, let's go, let's go, let's go. And all the while I'm trying to concoct and work this companionship thing. And how thankful I am for Hugo, just constantly saying, Nope, I won't do it. Nope, I won't do it. Nope. And Hugo just stayed in a place of rest. Because rest is a sign of trust. Lord, today if I don't have a wife, I'm okay with it. Obviously, you've not brought her to me. I'm not going to make it happen. I'm not going to concoct this or fabricate this or or get ahead of God. I'm just going to wait. And here it is 2017 oh, 2018 oh, 19 20 So he gets a text from a, a friend that says, "Hey, I've got a a cousin you need to take on a date." Well, Hugo forgets about the text, and how many months later? Exactly a year later. A year and a half, a year and a half later. <laughs> a year and a half later, Hugo looks through his phone, finds the text, "Oh, maybe I should ask this girl on a date." <laughs> And it was just the right timing. But what I love about Hugo, he was just in a place of rest saying, Lord, when you bring a woman into my life and your timing, amen, I'm not going to make it happen. Beloved, I just want to speak to you real briefly. When it comes to things of influence, God's got you. You need to work hard in school, work hard in your career, but the fruit that you will bear, the influence that you will have in life, if it's not of God, it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. Let God take care of your leadership, your influence, and and, and there'll be fruit. Let God take care of change in your life. Don't force your mom to change, your dad to change, your brother to change. Stop being controlling and manipulative. It's not going to work. Rather, rest. Rather, sleep. And let God bring about change in you personally, in your character, in your environment, in your circumstance. Let God take care of the change. Amen? But don't be sloppy, Uh, 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 cooperate, there is still a role you play, but the principle I'm trying to hit on is one of rest slash trust, but particularly this issue of companionship. Ladies, you don't have to try too hard. What if I dress a certain way? What if I accidentally walk by the library as he is studying and he notices me? What if accidentally I mistweet him just to cross paths? I don't know how, ladies, you can manipulate things, but my wife and I feel strongly about this. Uh, Brothers, you don't have to try too hard. In fact, I would say to all the men, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and this companion will be added to you at the right time. Do not awaken love until it's so. Desires, And I think the one that desires it is God because He looked and said it's not good for this man to be alone. So beloved, stay single, stay content until God awakens love. Ladies, don't try too hard. He's got a man for you. Beloved, brothers, don't try too hard. Just all of you stay fixated on God and in due time He'll bring that buddy. Stay in a place of rest. God knows what we need. But even more than that, um, when God says it's time for you to have influence, it's time for you to have change in a circumstance, or it's time for you to have a companion in a body, God will be the one that initiates the answers in your life. Until God initiates, I want to say to all of you, stay faithful. Stay at peace. Stay trusting. Stay restful. God is at work. He knows the hair on your head, and He'll provide for you. If He can do it for the flowers of the fields, and if He can do it for the birds of the sky, God can take care of you. So he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. What shall I eat or what shall I wear or where do I go or where do I work or who do I marry? Just take a posture of spiritual rest and let God initiate. Let God initiate just like he does here in the book of Genesis. He puts the man to sleep. And that's what legacy then is about. Legacy is a little bit of a place to come and just sleep, so to speak. Just Come and rest. We have so many folk come from all over to the school and life is chaotic as they know it. And when they come here, they're all fretting like, How will this affect change there? And We teach people to just rest and let God go to bat on your behalf. Not only does God know our needs, but God is also the God of perfect timing. There was a man in the Bible called Abraham who had a need for a son. And God spoke to him, "I am going to provide a son for you." Well, 11 years went by and there was no manifestation of a son. God had made a promise, "I know you need. Uh, I'm going to work on your behalf. But the timing for 11 years was just was was not there. So Abraham decided, I'm going to help God. And you may know the story of Abraham who took his slave, uh, his wife's uh, slave, and he had relations with her. And from Hagar comes this boy called Ishmael. And Abraham brought this boy Ishmael to God and said, God, look what I've done for you. Look at this little boy. Thank you for your promises. And God said, no, that that boy is not the promise. In fact, that boy is a byproduct of your flesh, your initiative, you problem solving, your timing. That boy has got nothing to do with God. Can a man get in front of God? Yeah. And you learn from Abraham's boy Ishmael that he represents bondage. He represents the work of the flesh. And God rejected that boy in a way by saying the messianic line will not come through Ishmael. Well, Abraham was 86 years old at this time. He had already waited 11 years, but God would have him wait another 14 years till he was 100 years old. Why? Not only does God know his needs, he needs a boy. God's going to initiate the process. But I want to tell you, the timing of God is crucial. In fact, God waited till Abraham was as good as dead. Abraham, so to speak, was a sleeping man. He could not produce an heir with his wife. He had no more capability. Sarah was dead. They were, you might say, the walking, dead. That is, they were asleep. And it's in their sleeping condition that God said, okay, with them out of the way, I can now go to work and produce a miracle. Beloved, I watch uh, us as young people. We we so want to be used of God. We so want to have influence and bring about change and revival. And I've watched so many people just force their hand on things. And it's just like that. It's bondage. It turns into a swamp. Why? Because it was not God's timing. Nothing will test your trust in God more than the delayed answers to your need. It's, it is tough because at one time or another, all of us want to be like Abraham. Just say, okay, God, I got this. Thank you. I got this. You run the universe. I got this. Woo. And we do this often with spouses. I watch people get married when I really think they should not have gotten married. The timing was not right. Even the person maybe is questionable. Why? Because they initiate, and I can see sometimes people just, they take care of the whole relationship and then that marriage just blows up. I want to say to all of y'all, wait on the Lord, trust the Lord, 11 years. Another 14, altogether 25-ish years. The timing of the Lord is according to His wisdom, His discretion. What do you and I do in the meantime? We stay faithful. This man needed a helper, a companion. God sees it. God says, I got this. And He puts him to sleep. And tomorrow morning, we will talk how this prophetically represents Christ's death. You know that Christ was put to death to sleep, for the bride, for the church to be manifested, to work with her master. And it was the timing of God. God could have brought forth Christ at the time of Abraham or Moses, and He didn't. He waited. Galatians 4 verse 4, "...till the fullness of time." So Hugo is 36 years old and he meets his spouse. I was 24 and I met my spouse. The timing of the Lord is perfect. And until that timing comes, you've got something that you can give God trust. And There's something that God wants to give you is rest. So beloved, position yourself often before the Lord to just be still to just be in a restful posture. I do this almost every day. I go up to my little office, and I just sit there. I just sit there. I don't have a prayer book. I don't have a prayer checklist. I don't have an agenda. I just, here I am God. And I position myself in trust to say, Lord, here am I. Speak, lead, teach. And if you choose to be quiet today, amen, I have no bother with God being quiet. In fact, I've experienced the, the, the friendship and the comfort of God, best in times of quiet. But you've got to cultivate a habit to often put yourself to sleep. And I tell you, you guys who stay up till two, three, four every night, you're not positioning yourselves in a place of rest for the Lord to work. So, of course, we do it physically, literally, but I want to say to you, coming here even this weekend, positioning yourself it's, it's wonderful. You, you're just setting the stage for an encounter with God. Amen.